my name is Steve, and I'm a worship pastor here, and I, I have a problem. The problem, well, I have many problems, but anyways, um, my problem is that I am extremely excited to uh, be with you, to bring God's word, and to learn together about how he's leading us through this series, but I swear I don't have enough time. I mean, when you ask the, the worship pastor to preach on worship, it's like you might be looking at your watch at two o'clock and saying, I'm kind of hungry. Boy, he has a lot to say about this. But in all honesty, uh, it is a passion of mine, and um, hopefully it won't be that long. Um, but we are continuing in a series that we're calling Worship Plus Two, understanding how we can worship God and what that all entails. And it's been great. Pastor Jeff and Pastor Rick have been leading us through about, you know, who and whose we are. That worship reminds us who and whose we are that uh, worship uh, shows us the one thing that's important in our lives. And, and worship instructs us on how we can grow to continue to be transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. So um, we're gonna jump right into it. We're looking at a passage of scripture that has been our focal point for this series. It's from the book of Acts. I'm gonna read it for us. It'll be on the screen. We're gonna pray and then we're gonna go. All right? This is from Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray again together. God, we thank you for your word. It leads us to life. It leads us to hope. It leads us to love and it leads us to you, Jesus. And so in this time of gathering today, we pray that above all else, that above all that we sing and all that we say and all that we pray and all that we do and all that I speak and all that we hear, that you, Jesus, would be our focus. And so help us to live lives for you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So as we continue to understand this picture of this community that God was forming, this first century church that we are connected to through the ages, I think it's important for us to understand a couple basic things that are going to lay the framework for a lot of what we're going to talk about today. And so we're going to quickly address those. They may be things that you've heard about, but I think, again, it's really important that we lay them as the foundation. The first thing is to define what worship is. Often I teach it as this. Worship is ascribing ultimate worth to a person, place, or 
thing. Worship is ascribing ultimate worth to a person, place, or thing. Worship is more of an attitude than it is a particular thing. Worship can be a song and worship can be a prayer. But worship can be ultimately many other things. Worship has the ability to define who we are and our character. Worship often directs our decisions and our choices and our priorities and our bank accounts. It may be easy to say one thing like, I worship Jesus, but sometimes our actions don't always line up with what we say. The second thing is this, everyone worships. Everyone worships. It's not something that only religious people do. I believe, and many others do as well, that human beings are wired in our creation to worship something, somewhere, someone. And there are many things that we can focus our lives and our attitudes and our hearts on that we thereby worship. Sometimes it's the pursuit of fame or the acquisition of wealth or the development of knowledge or the pleasure of sex or the ambition to gain or the success that comes with notoriety. All these things can drive our ambitions and our goals and our very identities. Everyone worships. If you were with us a couple weeks ago, we even talked about that worship can be a song, but it also can be eating a hot dog. If you missed it, you're probably scratching your head and you need to listen to the podcast, I'm just saying. It's true. And throughout this series, we've been talking about what it means to gather together like what we're doing right now, right? We're here on a Sunday morning, that's worship. We've even talking about how we grow and how often the best place to grow is in a small group. And so maybe you gather on a weekly basis or every other week with a small group of people and, and that can be seen as worship. But here's a question that I want us to think about today. What about the other 165 hours in the week? What about the times when you're not gathered here or gathered in a home but you're just out and about. Are you worshiping there too? Everyone worships. The third thing that I think really will help us ground this journey is this. Sometimes we have a tendency to separate our lives into spaces. We have a church space. We have a home space. We have a workspace. We have a school space. We have different people we know in all these contexts. And sometimes, if we're honest, we actually can tailor the person that we are to the space that we're in. You following me there? Sometimes we have groupings of people and they never actually meet. 
because we have different spaces in our lives. And spaces actually help us to understand who we are and how we act and, and how we can move through life. But that doesn't mean that there isn't spiritual spaces everywhere. You know, sometimes we take those spaces and we can separate life into dualities. Like work and rest and material and spiritual and vocation and calling and secular and sacred. Monday through Saturday and then Sunday is different. Friends, this talk is to encourage us to recognize that I don't believe God intended it that way. I believe that God designed us and God desires for us to live whole and integrated lives. That who we are today would be who we are on Thursday. Because God doesn't just want your Sunday. God wants your every day. And that's not saying that Sunday isn't important. We've done a lot of talk in this series about the importance of Sunday and scripture speaks to that. Even the Apostle Paul, I love this passage in, in Corinthians chapter three because these two verses are set right next to one another. And it shows us how everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. There isn't a separation of where God is and where God is not. So in chapter 3 of Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he says in verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That sounds like this, right? We're, we're teaching, we're helping, we're admonishing, we're, we're singing. That, that sounds like a gathering. And it is. And that's worship. And then in the next verse, he says this. And whatever you do. Say that with me. And whatever you do. In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything? Everything I do is supposed to be given in thanks and bring glory and worship to God the Father. How does that work itself out? How do we understand that? that it's not just about singing songs on a Sunday, but that there's 165 other hours that God is interested in as well. So here's the big takeaway from today. Even our work is worship. Even our work is worship. Tim Keller in his book, Every Good Endeavor, said this, your daily work is ultimately an act of worship to the God who called and equipped you to do it, no matter what kind of work it is.
your daily work, I'm going to read it again, is ultimately an act of worship to the God who called and equipped you to do it, no matter what kind of work it is. So we went over what worship is, that it's ascribing ultimate worth to a person, place, or thing. We said that everyone worships, whether you're in church or not. And we said that everything is spiritual. And that led us to this understanding that even our work is worship. So let's talk about your job. You like talking about your job? How are your jobs going? Does it give you energy or does it suck it all out? I'm sure everyone in the room is exactly where they thought they'd be 20 years ago, doing exactly what you thought you'd do, working for exactly who you thought you'd be working for. Fun times. The reality is, it's not always like that, right? Often we'll wake up on a Monday morning and we'll say, I have to go to work. Why don't you try that together? I have to go to work. Say it with me. I have to go to work. There's a couple ways you could say that, isn't there? You could be like, I have to go to work. Oh, no. Or there could be like craziness happening at home and you'd be like, I have to go to work. See you later. Gotta go work. Here's what I hope happens to us today. I hope that we can say, I have to go to work. I have to go to work. Some of us are in jobs where we're compensated pretty well for the work that we do. And some of us, not so much. Some of us had to work for years as an apprentice to be able to understand how to do our job. Some of us went to college for something that has absolutely nothing to do with our job. Some of us are working tirelessly because they want to impress their boss because they need a promotion. And some of us honestly find so much identity in their work that they sacrifice their very life, family, and health because all they know is work. Monday is not something to get through. Do you ever feel that way? I just got to get through the week. I just got to get through the week. God has something more for you than getting through the week. God made you for more than getting through the week. So then how do we understand the theology of work? Why do we work? What is God's plan for work? If everything is spiritual, then somehow my work is spiritual? How could that be? Well, to understand this, I think we have to take a big picture look at what God has taught us about ourselves. 
we could call this a meta-narrative or the big picture. And I'm actually going to talk about the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible. And Pastor Rick started to unpack some of these things two weeks ago. And the beginning of our scriptures begins in the book of Genesis, where it says that God created. God worked. God worked. God did rest, but God worked. And it was good. Work is good. God said, let us create human beings in our image. The Near East's ancient view of an image was a representation of something. The invisible made visible. Humanity has the image of God. It is pressed upon us in our creation. So God brings order and so do we. In Genesis 1, God says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Fill the earth and govern it. Fill the earth and reign in it. Fill the earth and take care of it. Fill the earth and bring my kingdom come. As we live our lives, we are literally living out the image of God. That when we create culture, when we create culture, civilizations, ways of living, we are trying in our best moments to reflect our creator. Before the fall, before mankind sinned and broke relationship with God, we were placed in a garden to tend to it, to work it to bring the best out of it. That was our role, that was our job. The word in Hebrew is abad. Abad can be translated as worship or work. They are tied together. So in the beginning of the Bible, we see a picture of a garden and at the end of the Bible, we see a picture of a city. Revelation 21 and 22 show us the beauty that is created when there is a new heaven and a new earth and God is living with his people. So the question is, how do we live between the garden and the city? How do we live between the garden and the city? How do we find ourselves where we are? See, the story of Acts that we read this morning is the story of a new way to live, a new community to build that is infused and inspired by the cross and the resurrection, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit of God in his people.
that is seeking to cultivate the kingdom of God. That's what we read about in Acts 2 this morning. In the Old Testament, God created this Israelite nation to be called out from everyone else, to be called out to be a representation, an image of God's righteousness and God's mercy and God's love and God's rule and God's holiness. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, the people of God created by their faith in Jesus and his saving work on their behalf are called in to the world. They're called into the world to be examples and images of God's love and God's righteousness and God's mercy and God's justice. Do we see the difference there? That as we go into our work weeks, we are being called in to bring the kingdom of God, to be followers of Jesus where we work. Jesus described it this way. He said the kingdom of God is like yeast. We take a little bit of it and we pour it into this big batch of flour. And as God works it and moves it around, that little yeast leavens that whole mound of bread. And so even though we might think that our role is small, God has the ability to make it huge. That there is power when God's people go in to community, go in to culture, go in to workplaces to be his image. We don't work to have a safe home. We don't work to have a steady income. We don't work to have a great retirement. We don't work to provide for our kids. We don't work for our own ambitions. We don't work for any of those things. Because if work is worship, we work for the glory of God. You with me? We work for the glory of God. Even the people that we see in the Bible worked. Peter worked. He was a fisherman. Paul worked. He was a tent maker. Judas the zealot worked. He was a politician. Jesus of Nazareth worked. He's a carpenter. Work has value and work is worship. God creates and redeems our world by creating culture through the church. So some of you may be saying, I just don't know how. How is swinging a hammer bringing glory to God? How is crunching financial numbers bringing glory to God? How is whatever you fill in the blank Whatever you're doing in your work, in your line of work, how is that bringing glory to God? 
How is that worship? I don't know if we have any uh, jazz enthusiasts here. Y'all know John Coltrane? Very, very famous tenor saxophone player. He wrote an album called Love Supreme. This is what he wrote on the inside of his jazz saxophone album. No words, right? Just jazz saxophone. This album is a humble offering to him, an attempt to say thank you, God, through our work. Even as we do in our hearts and with our tongues, may he help and strengthen all men in every good endeavor. Jazz saxophone to the glory of God. What does this world need? And how are you meeting the needs of the world? I bet you if you took a little bit of time and really thought about that, what does your place of work bring to the world? What does your place of work bring to people who need it? Or maybe another question for you to ask, what is your heart breaking for? If you have the heart of God beaten inside of you, then God, God's heart breaks for those who are in need. What does your heart break for? Maybe, if I may be so bold, there's a disconnect in where you're working right now. And you need to spend some time with God to really see if that's the place that he's called you to be. Maybe it's the only place available to you though, you say. Maybe it's the only job I got. Maybe you're having a hard time connecting all those dots together. If that's the case for you, then how you do your job glorifies God. When you are honest in your job, you glorify God. When you are hardworking in your job, you glorify God. When you seek the best in people, even when they show you their worst, you glorify God. When you bring joy to your workplace, is your workplace a happy place to work? Maybe not so much. Can you do something about that? No? Is the joy of the Lord in your heart today? A couple of you. You don't just leave that here. You don't just go get your praise on in church with the joy of the Lord in your heart and then go on Monday morning looking like everyone else. That all brings God glory. We are tending the garden. We are tending the garden when we are transforming through the power of Jesus and his word and his spirit, the places that he has planted us to grow. So let's pray. Pray for our workplaces. Pray that God would show us how to bring his kingdom. Recognize that God is ruling in those places just as much as he's ruling in this place. This is God's world, whether people acknowledge it or not. Seek your role 
in bringing the kingdom come into your work? How has God's life and God's love and God's forgiveness and God's mercy and God's justice and God's grace changed you so that you can bless others? And finally, be prepared. Because you're going to stand out. And people are going to say, why? People are going to say, why are you different? And you got to be ready to say, why? Because my work is worship and I worship Jesus. And they might go, okay. And they might say, wow, tell me more. <laughs>